Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Another hour of Teflon and Titanium. I'm your host, Scotty G, Coach Scott G of the uh, organization Dad Starting Over, a uh, worldwide organization helping dudes be better dudes. Um, I'm one of the nine coaches that are involved in this organization, and I have a special guest with us today, uh, for two of them, as a matter of fact. So I have Andrew here and his wife, Sabrina. Say hi. Hey, everybody. All right. So um, the reason why I called y'all is they have a very, very good story. Um, Andrew, obviously, uh, he joined an organization to, uh, for, for guys to be better dudes for a reason, obviously. Okay, we're going to get into their story, get into their background. Um, and first thing I want to do is have you both introduce yourself a little bit. What's your background? What do you do? Uh, when did you get married? Any kiddos? Sure. Um Grew up moving around the country, settled in North Texas, uh, family built a big horse ranch, um, kind of evolved through that, started riding, you know, bareback horses, went to college with that, and then uh, started showing horses with the family ranch and kind of switched from, from riding bucking horses over to showing horses. Sabrina had grown up, you know, with her parents, her parents were horse trainers all of her life. Um, and so we both showed discipline. And so we met in Fort Worth at the stock show, showing horses, um, against each other in January of 2001. And, uh, she's kind of gone all the, you know, it's, we've been together ever since then. And then, you know, father passed away, sold the ranch, went a different direction in life, went back to school, got my accounting degree, I'm CPA now, CFO of a oil and gas company. Um, and Sabrina has still stuck with the horses and, and trains now very successful. Uh, we have a daughter that's 12 years old. That is a, well, she was gymnastics and now she's into competitive cheer. So she's very, very successful with that. And what do you have to add? We stay at home mom. 
that does hardly. resources. Hardly, yeah. They don't mind, but does, work works harder than I ever thought about. So, yeah, she's a power stay at home mom. So uh, you train horses. So, right. and you do that for a living, correct? Well, yeah, it pays. Mm-hmm. She's being humble. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Horses pay for sure. Horses are expensive, obviously. Are- <laughs> so for to get so, to earn, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So when did you get married? How long have you been married? July of 05. So pushing close to 18 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which is interesting because uh, y'all got married three months after I did. So um, very, very similar. And uh, um, it's been a, as a, a marriage that goes that long, you're going to have ups and downs. And that's really what we want to focus on here. Correct. So, right. um, so I want to talk about just the first thing, kind of where you guys come from, okay? Um, and I'll have Andrew start, just kind of your background, just a little bit of kind of tell us how you grew up, um, and then we'll go to Sabrina. So my father was a, a very successful uh, accountant in his own right, CPA, uh, turnaround specialist for major life insurance companies. So we were moving every four to five years as he'd go into another company um, as a CFO and do a turnaround and, and kind of bring it out of bankruptcy or, or whatever state it was in. Um, so extremely successful, worked tons and tons of hours, and it definitely got my work ethic from him. Um, that evolved into you know super high stress, uh, which then led him to alcohol. Um, and so just a, a brilliant, brilliant man, but heavy drinker. Never took care of his health. Uh, I think, as we discussed earlier, um, you know, never saw what you would consider a loving marriage and relationship between he and my mom. They always stayed together. Um, you know, but with him being gone all the time, he was a great influence on how to work hard. And, you know, when he was home, you know, we spent time together and, and you know, he taught me things. But, you know, other than that, it was he was kind of raised by my mom and and... You know, after he passed, I went back to school because I'd figured out with the ranch that I had his head for numbers. And so that's how I kind of fell away from the ranch stuff into the accounting stuff now. And, and I've kind of worked myself up to not necessarily where he was, but but I am in that top position as far as executive level management in you know what I specialized in accounting as far as oil and gas. So I think that goes next. Do I go from the deep of my grandmother? Yeah, you can. Grew up in um, up north for a few my first seven years um, with my grandparents. My mom and dad they had a training up there horse facility, and dad left. Mom was pregnant with me. I didn't even discuss this with you. I didn't even think about it. Um, and so I lived with my grandmother and grandfather for my first seven years. My mom came down to Texas and followed my dad around and. Then all of a sudden she decided that, oh, she wanted a perfect family. So she ripped me out from them. So that's how I got to Texas. Um, just working for them as a kid, I was basically a horse trainer's daughter. So I did all the other stuff, feeding everything. Um, shoot. Then finally I got out of that around 19, met him. And then, um, yeah. yeah, I skipped a part. But anyway, teen <laughs> at the horse show. And then after a year, I started working for their ranch, training horses. And then 
everything dispersed. I went back to school and got interior, well, not interior design, but home furnishing merchandising with a business minor and did that for a few years. Loved it, but horses is my passion. And here we are when we moved where we are now, here it all started again. So, yep. So how'd y'all meet that? <laughs> well, that's funny. I stalked him. <laughs> yeah. I've been had a lot of people um, picking on me about not introducing myself, but I was very shy and I knew what caliber he was in the horse industry and thought there is no way in hell, to be honest. And um, he had a good ride one day and I turned around and said, good ride real quick and went and he stopped. And at that point, he gave me a business card, wrote his name on the back and <laughs> how it worked. The next day we had a date and I had to break up with an ex-boyfriend before that. So or, I understood it was a little bit more serious yeah. than that. Turn around. Ex, ex fiance. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Now you got it. <laughs> well, and so we had seen each other at horse shows for yeah. almost a year. And I, I always remember going, that's a really cute blonde. And she is just my type, but she had a ring on. So I never went there. There never. you go. Um, there was a few times I took it off at horse shows just because I <laughs> that was how the stockage show was. Nice. Yeah. And that's what happened at Fort Worth. Yeah. I'd seen her. She was hovering. Um, didn't have a ring on. And I thought, well, today, today, might, today might be the day. Uh -huh. And like, like she said, she was, I think she was watching for where I was going and kind of made a beeline to cut me off to be able to talk to yeah. I mean, There's no reason she'd be going down the same set of stalls that I was. But mm -hmm. that's how it happened. And then, uh, yeah, she... She picked me up, or she made the first move, I guess I should say, and then I just took it from there. It's funny that you're uh, you're arguing about this because my wife and I actually <laughs> argue about how um, how it happened for us too. You know, uh, we better bump into each other on the dance floor. It was a school function, and uh, I made the moves immediately. And uh, so we got broke up by friends, and uh, I went over to the to a dinner table, and my wife didn't know who I was and all of her friends did. Um, so they were like, you know, she's like, who was that? And she's like, that's Scott. Everybody knows Scott, you know? And she was just like, okay. Uh, so like, like five minutes later, she comes over there and she's asked me to, you know, if anybody wants to dance and I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take my cue. And, uh, <laughs> and yep. she's my wife. So anyway, I know how that goes and, uh, it's fun. It's fun banter to, to, to talk about stuff like that, but I, I made the move first. So just so she knows. <laughs> um, so now I understood that Andrew, you did some rodeo though, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me so, about that. It was just, you know, um, moving back to Texas in North Texas. Um, so we didn't go through this, but I was a lacrosse player back East. We lived in about an hour West of Baltimore. Okay. And I played lacrosse and I started defense I started varsity defense my freshman year and I never came off the field um and so like they were getting ready to move for my dad's job my junior year in high school and it was kind of one of those deals where there was families coming to our family saying let him live with us for the next year and a half so he can continue to play lacrosse and have a career and you know of course my family wasn't going to split the family up and dad came down here and was looking at places and he actually sat down with me and showed me the different places he found. And I mean, 16 years old, I said, well, if we get this place, I'll go. No problem. So he got that place. 
and never, I never looked back. But when I got here, there was no lacrosse in, in DFW. Mm. So, um, started, I made a bunch of friends with all the country kids and, and the rodeo kids at school. And so they're like, Hey, come on. And, uh, so I started jumping on bareback courses and, and had, had fun with it. And, um, eventually got decent enough that, that case, you know, I went up to look at K state and talked to the coach there and he's like, come on, you know, we'll give you some stuff to, to make it worth it. So went up there and, and rode bucking horses for K state for three years or so until, you know, changed over, uh, with the reigning horses here at home. And so I'd, I'd leave up there on the weekends and, and drive to the reigning horse shows and started winning more money doing that than I was riding bucking horses. So it was just kind of, and it didn't hurt near as bad. So kind of made that, made that transition. And I think I was kind of going through a lull, uh, in, in my being able to cover horses, I was kind of getting bucked off a lot. So it was just kind of an easy transition. Okay. So what I wanted to do there real quick, I just wanted to uh, illustrate the fact that Andrew, Andrew's an interesting dude. Okay. This, this, we, we are real big in our organization about the, the lover and provider roles. Okay. So Sabrina, if you just, if you were listening, she was engaged and she was going after Andrew. So Sabrina was with a safe, safe guy. Were you not? I was, and he was, he was safe and well, we're talking about the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the other dude. And he, but he was lazy. Like he didn't, the, the final straw, I'll be honest, was when I had to go take care of, we had like 30 horses under training and everything. And I had to go put blankets and do all that kind of stuff at night, night watch. And he was like, I don't know why you're doing this. This is just, and he was just complaining. I'm like, that's it. I mean, like, if you're going to be that way, we're, this is not going to work. Yeah. So he's not interesting. He's not driven. You have all of those things that, that stuff matters. Yes. Fellas, uh, if you're listening to me and Uh ladies, that makes a difference too. Those are huge red flags that you need to look out for with men. If they're not driven, if they don't have motivation, uh, that's not sexy. You know, that is not sexy. And Andrew is sexy. Okay. He was very sexy when you all meet. Um, He's into horses. I mean, you're clicking all those boxes. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. know if the... I mean, Andrew sounds like he clicked all your boxes. He did. I mean, they would have breeding mornings, not for horses, for horses, but <laughs> yeah. super early in the morning. And I would, I thought that was the most awesome thing for him to do that. That just clicked a bucket too. I mean, you know, just certain things like driven. Mm-hmm. For sure. Super sexy. For sure. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I was getting at with that whole thing there. Okay. Um, my family's into horses, uh, my mom's side of the family, big into horses. Uh, I know horse girls, they, uh, once a horse girl, always a horse girl. There's, you don't, you don't get that out of her. Okay. That just yeah. doesn't happen. And, uh, and it is a trend in our, in our group to see horse, horse people come into our group with problems. And it's typically because the dude is not a horse guy. Okay. Mom or wifey is she's a horse gal and he's not into it and that is going to cause some serious problems which actually we're going to get to that all right so okay so dating was hot and heavy i'm assuming things were good the weekend yep she she thought it'd be three four five days before she heard from me i called her the next day yep she was different and i started experiencing that immediately so what made her different? I'm curious, uh, Andrew. What does make what makes Sabrina different? Self differently, she was genuinely interested in me, and I could tell it wasn't fake. Mm-hmm. 
it it wasn't interest in me for for what I had or what I could provide for her. It was just it felt real. Mm-hmm. Uh, did her work ethic have anything to do with uh, the attraction that you had towards her? Didn't didn't know about that yet. You know, when we first met, that was something that you know came along the way. Um, you know, you had to assume it was there. But you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of rich horse girls that don't do shit either. You know, they got people that they pay to do everything for them. And of course, we've been around all that too, and seen all that. So it was more of a, I got to get to know her first. But she was just different. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, all right. Kind of that. So she clicked all your boxes too. I mean, obviously, she's a beautiful woman. You know, but there's. She, you at the time when you met Sabrina obviously had a lot of options. It sounds to me like you're a pretty attractive guy, had a lot of going on, um, probably had a lot of kind of had a lot of orders. I'm, I'm assuming, right? I did. Yeah. A, a whole lot. And it took, it took a while to, 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 you know, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but it, it, yeah. it took a while to get rid of those. And that caused a lot of issues from the very start. Yeah. Until recently hung over us forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And like I said, we'll get there. So obviously things are great. Uh, then comes talking about marriage. Um, I mean, did anything change at that point when y'all got married? Uh, I would say no. Um, you know, I always messed up me. I had always said, cause we, we continue to have problems because girls would just wouldn't give up. Um, and like, I, I was always worried about, you know, my family's name and the ranch name and the industry. And I didn't want to do anything to spoil that. So I thought, you know, if I, if I break some girl's heart and don't let her off easy or, you know, just cut her off and be rude and mean and hateful, then that was going to create a bad name in some way that some way, somewhere down the line could affect the, the, the family business as far as the ranch goes. And so shame on me. I didn't cut them off like I should, um, and I was trying to manage that. But then in my simple brain, my deal was the minute I propose and we're engaged, then that's it. Everything, nothing else matters. Everything else is cut off. And she just obviously, and for obvious reasons, didn't believe that or couldn't believe that, you know, because I didn't give her any reason to. But, you know, it, it did work that way, but there was just two too many years of, of turmoil and, and just things built up to where she kind of didn't like me a whole lot. So Sabrina, tell me about that. Um, yeah, he, it was hundred percent. Um, and I always was, you know, girls were, we're emotional and we think of the fairy tales and all that stuff. And when he didn't propose till after his father had passed, after the ranch was selling after all of this. And I'm like, so I felt almost a little bit like, okay, well, I'm his last option. I don't even think he knows that maybe he does, but that's really, We've so, that. so when he asked me, I was like, uh-huh. And that was it. Yeah, that Literally was exactly what I said. And that's not how I ever. Wasn't how I imagined it either. No. Interesting. I imagined elaborate it's like this is off to a great start <laughs> this is not good yeah you you're resentful already before you even got the ring that's interesting 100 mm-hmm. yeah yep now one thing about uh, a marriage when it comes to dudes um and just want to get this across of uh, in the for people that are listening 
it's just natural when you put the ring on the finger that your wife or your woman in your mind becomes your property. And you kind of lose a little bit of that, um, that, that's that, that edge, um, in a marriage that way. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I know that might sound a little misogynist, but that, that is human nature. When we do that, it's things change, things change a little bit. All of a sudden we turn off all of the options, uh, all of Andrews, you mentioned it, you said it, that's it. Once you, once you do it, you're done. And that's, that's great integrity. Um, but I guarantee you, Sabrina, that was part of your attraction towards him is that the other women wanted him and, and you had him. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Unfortunately. Yep. And you're not <laughs> any different than any other woman. You know, my, my wife's the same way. Okay. Um, but, uh, that's, that's part of the attraction. That's part of the desire, you know, and, and when you get married, you lose a little bit of that and you get comfortable very quickly, um, until the kiddos come around. Um, so you all waited a little bit to have kids. Why? Well, we were, feel like we were starting our careers over. Yeah. It was life. Of... Life was starting over. Mm-hmm. Um, cause she, I went back to school and got out December of 07 with my MBA in accounting. So then I immediately go into public accounting January 1st. And it's a brand new career for me. So here I am at 30 years old as a staff auditor you know, working for a bunch of people that are way younger than me. Um, and here I've managed an entire ranch and a bunch of people on that ranch and an entire business. And so it was, and, and I knew I'd have to, you know, swallow a lot of pride and, and kind of sit down and, and, and take my hits and learn. But it was just kind of, it, it kept being that whole, okay, let's get through this. Okay. Then this is the next thing on the way. Okay. Then let's next thing is, okay, I got to get my CPA behind me. So let's wait until after that. And so really what happened is, is it just, it was just an accident. Um, and what I used to, here's a nice guy. The, the, the joke that I used to, used to tell was that the, the once every two to three weeks that I was getting laid happened to coincide with the two or three days where she might like forget and skip her pill. And it just happened that way. Mm-hmm. And so obviously a, a really bad toxic joke uh, that, you know, I don't recommend anybody tell. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're grateful for our kiddo, but that's, you know, it just that window because she would she would kind of go on and off her pill just because life would get away from her and things like that. Sure. So you just kind of lined up and yeah, I'll, I came home from the deer lease and she was waiting up and I got home at like one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what in the world are you doing up? She's she's like in bed asleep by eight thirty. I'm an old uh, lady. <laughs> yeah. She was up and she was crying, and she told me that she was pregnant, and I just, you know, I was incredulous, you know, super happy and excited, and she was bawling and crying because she thought I was just going to be livid, mad, and upset, and it's just like I don't know where that ever came from. But I mean, that was the impression that she had that I was going to be mm-hmm. extremely upset and mad. So, wow. How about that? But obviously you weren't. Um, and, uh, and the Lord works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Um, he does. So good stuff. Okay. So you find out you're pregnant. Anything changed between the dynamic between you two at that point? Things were actually, actually really good, really good while she was pregnant. And you know, I, I think I mentioned in an email that, you know, 
we have now since discovered, you know, some of her, her Hashimoto's and her, and her other hormonal type stuff. Uh, and she had gone to a doctor and said, after the pregnancy and, and had told him, you know, the best I've ever felt in my life was when I was pregnant. And his response, his asshole response to her was, well, you just need to get pregnant again. It's like, literally, rather than try to help her and figure out what's going on, that was his solutions. And he was supposed to be like one of the best in DFW. So super frustrating stuff trying to work through all that. For sure. And the whole, I, I won't go. I won't go. I've almost asked you the age, but uh, I won't go there. Okay. Okay. So the dynamic when she was born, what happened at that point? It was, everything was still good. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. How about that? Now that's that's a kicker because most of the guys that we talk to, the most of the guys that come into the group, kids, kids are like the biggest wet blanket over a bedroom uh, of a married couple there is. It's it's huge because every like your programming just changes as a man. You become you you, you totally take away the, the lover and you become all provider. You know, it, it's just nothing but I need to produce things for my family. Um, and you totally forget about the seduction of your wife, dating your wife, all of that stuff goes away because you've got a newborn. Um, I remember when our, our kids were born, we had a bassinet in our bedroom, I mean, for months. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that's gonna, that's gonna stifle your love life a little bit as a married couple. And, um, and I think we avoided that. Pitfall. Right. Yeah. That's, that's not one that I've ever had any conversations on the, on the forums about just because I don't have any experience with that. That's great. We, us down at great all. and that's like i said that's actually fairly rare okay so that's that's a good thing all right so now things are going great things are going great and here comes the bad times okay i wouldn't say they great great but they <laughs> okay. were we were de- they're decent i mean i was still not being the leader at that point i was still not showing interest in her interest uh-huh. i was not i was to, uh, you know i was at that point where i was trying to fix her problems Probably having the bad talk yeah. multiple times, you know, about I need more um, and why am I not getting it? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that all that nice guy stuff w- was starting then, but it wasn't like I said, it wasn't based on the kid. It was uh, an extension of, of issues we had always had, mm-hmm. you know, with her having super high walls to defend herself against my hurtful comments me trying to latch on more and more mm-hmm. to prove how much I cared. Super common. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit here. Um, so what happened was at the very beginning of the relationship, you both were, you know, we t- I talk a lot about attachment theory. You both were securely attached. It seems like to me, things were going great. Uh, and then what happened is it shifted towards what we call a pursuer distancer relationship where um, Sabrina was backing off a little bit, you know, maybe the motherhood thing, you know, maybe the, the, the hormonal thing, uh, the fact that he was kind of turning me off being too clingy, uh, and your tendencies started coming out. And this is super, super common, typically right around eight to 10 years, right? Right around the eight to 10 year mark. That's typically when this stuff, stuff kind of really starts coming to the surface. And, and that's, I was going to say, I felt alone at that point. Cause I was working yeah. too, like, Gia was like, what, how many weeks? They called me like, hey, come back to work. And I'm like, okay. They're like, bring her. We yeah. need you. So we all went. And so between that and Gia and everything, I kind of felt still alone. Yep. Well, and you got to remember through the ranch, what, you know, we dated for a year and then she basically moved in with me uh-huh. in 2002. That's a common one too. 2000, so mm-hmm. from 2002 
through the end of 2007, when I finally got out of school again, we were always together, 100% of the time. So all of a sudden, here I go to this public accounting job where I'm gone constantly. And so it was just, it just ripped us apart. And we didn't have that quality time together anymore. And and for us, I, for both of us, I think that's pretty extremely important. Yeah, for everyone. We're, you know, no marriage, no family. That's what I always say. Right. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. And um, so now, Sabrina, I'm going to focus on you just a little bit. I'm not picking on you. Okay. Um, but you do display some avoidant tendencies. And uh, like I said, I talk about attachment theory a little bit. Avoidant attachments, uh, you definitely... You know, super independent, uh, all of that stuff. That's that. That's what that spawns from. And typically, with avoidant tennis or uh, uh, personalities, they have a tendency to put up these walls. Okay, especially when they start getting resentful, they start not really feeling loved, desired, or beautiful. Um, they start putting these walls up. And so, what happens is the guy has a tendency to get frustrated, and he starts pushing harder. Um, and it totally turns off the woman at that point. Like, give me some space. I need some space. And, and then all of a sudden he gives you the space. And then all of a sudden you feel lonely and you feel abandoned. It's a, yep, it's it's a cycle. cycle. And I see that all the time in my coaching guys, um, especially when it comes to this kind of dynamic. And uh, like I said, this is a very, very important story to tell because it's so common. It is so common. You know, most people don't talk about stuff like this at the dinner table or, you know, at restaurants and, and that kind of thing. They're not going to talk about this kind of thing like on social media. Okay. You'll see this beautiful picture of the family. Everybody's all great. It's all rainbows and unicorns and butterflies, you know, but in the underneath of it, you've got the pursuer distance or relationship and, and shit's going, it's going south. Um, and right. so it comes to a head. So let's talk about when it, uh, let's talk about when it got bad. When did it get bad? Well, I mean, so, so the real, we, we, trudged along like that treading water for years. Um, so it was 2008 or 2018 when I had a seven year restatement that I had to do for my company. So I was, and it was at the end of a quarter, we couldn't do the quarterly financials, publicly traded companies. We couldn't do the quarterly financials until I had this restatement done. So I think I spent 21 days straight working insane hours to do this restatement, roll everything forward year to year to year to year. And so I was under a huge amount of stress and I wasn't telling her about it. She didn't know, but this was, you know, I didn't mention it before, but this, this is the kind of a restatement that could be career ending for, for somebody like me. Um, and again, it got all got laid on my feet and blamed on me. And there were six or seven people above me that should have caught it before it would have even been on my radar, but I was the only one that could fix it. So it all landed in my lap and then, of course, got blamed on me. So during that time, she had some family in from out of town. She'd spent all day in Fort Worth with her family uh, at a horse show. And um, and she called me and said, hey, I'm going to come pick you up. We're all going to dinner. And I just said, this is a Saturday. And I said, I can't go. I've got to stay here and keep working. And again, she didn't know the depths of, of what I was doing and how bad it was. And I still, this might still be the first or second time she's actually ever heard about it because I kept that pretty quiet. Um, but she just, it was a light switch. She just said, okay. And that was it. And that was, that was the fall of, of 2018. Um, and then, you know, then it was really 
treading water from that point. Um, and that's that's when stuff started getting bad. We we did okay until summer of 2019. Okay. We were. Yeah. We just survived from from the fall of 18 to the summer of 20. And I want to focus on Sabrina on this one because I know we, we've talked about this a little bit before. And there's a lot of details here that uh, folks don't really understand. I want to get back to the horses thing again. Okay. Uh, now, you were pretty tight with your father, were you not? Yeah. Okay. To a degree. There was a, I mean, obviously there was a lot of issues mm-hmm. with him. But at the same time, he was black yeah. or white. Like there gray and bipolarness as the other my mom so it was just structure you know i knew but my mom would play yeah things and And that's that's a tough thing so you both saw loveless marriages essentially and pretty pretty tough stuff and now there's a story about a horse that uh that your father gave you correct yeah he uh they gave me a horse and it was the only thing I had at that point. I mean, we sold the ranch. I was, they got my old saddle and everything. And I was just, by God, I'm going to make this happen. And I did and did and did and tried and tried and tried. And I got it okay. But he, you know, Andrew would just say, why are you wasting your time on that mm-hmm. piece of shit? And I'm like, well, this is the only thing I have. And I'm going to try to do my best. And, you know, and so he wouldn't show up and help. And, and it wasn't like they gave me a piece of shit horse, but it was just like, my concern was you getting hurt <laughs> when I was, you know, yeah. So race motocross together. I mean, what else? Yeah. So it, it just didn't show that he was committed and I'm not a needy, needy person by no means, but just some, my love language is one-on-one. Let's go plumbing. Let's go dig. I just, let's work together. I'm cool with that. But just show some interest or help or, or just eyesight. You know, I want you to look and watch and tell me what I'm doing wrong or what I need to fix. And he was just not there. And uh, I'm not sure if you uh, heard this or not before, but when Andrew and I were talking before that, uh, he actually told me that uh, that was one of the things that uh, attracted him to you at the beginning that you had that work ethic and you mm-hmm. spent time together. You got in there muddy, digging trenches and doing all, this, all the stuff that happens on a ranch together. You know, right yeah. There was- it's perfect. Yeah. To be it's <laughs> perfect because that's how it works. You know, it's, you, you, you get, you spend time together, you build an empire. You're, you're, I mean, you're physically building things together. I mean, that's sexy, right? And plus you get muddy. <laughs> you're really in there and to get sweaty. I mean, just yeah, name it, and I'll do it. And he, he told me before that, that he found that very sexy about you. Okay. So, um, so he wasn't supporting you. That's a big one. Okay. Now that goes both ways too. It's interesting because, you know, mm-hmm. women want their man to support them and men, we, that's a big quality that we, we love in a woman. Okay. When you're in a marriage that's really clicking and it's really hot and it's really good. It's when you're, when you're both challenging each other to be better and constantly growing. And all of a sudden what happens is you grow together. That's, that's how a marriage stays hot long-term. And these resentments built up all of a sudden, he's not supporting your horses anymore. You know, he's gone all the time. And now Sabrina, let's talk about the really bad stuff. Okay. You started detaching from him, correct? Tell me about that. Yeah, I was, to a degree, I was probably detaching all these years. I'll be honest. Um, you know, I was working so hard to be the perfect wife. 
I would try to do all the things that I need to do, um, make sure everything was done, you know, outside, inside, whatever. But at his love language, I didn't want to deal with because I didn't feel that. SEX, uh, otherwise, or, AKA SEX, right? Let's talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I was just trying to do all these other things, you know, to make him happy, but it's not always about the food and the, the clean and the outside stuff. It's the other stuff too. So, but I couldn't go there because I just didn't feel that, you know, attraction. Wasn't attraction. It wasn't even attraction. Yeah, I guess it was. Yep. And it made it, yes. it made Andrew very needy, correct? hundred percent. Super common. Super, super common. So this, let's just address that real quick with uh, SEX in a, in a marriage. Okay. Let's talk about <laughs> that real quick. It's women think that men just want to get off all the time. Okay. We want, we want sex every single day. We get married because we want sex on tap. It's not, that's not true. Okay. That's not true. Not for me, not for Andrew, not for many of the men I talk to. It, we feel connected to our woman when we're physically intimate with them. Okay. That's the way it's designed. If we don't get that at all. So for instance, Sabrina, take it, take it like this. What if, what if he never initiated sex with you? Never, never told you you're beautiful. Never tried to, to take you on a date night, you know, um, and give you all that attention. It's the same thing for a man when it comes to sex. It's the same thing. Okay. When you don't get the romance, it's the same thing as not getting sex for a man. It's the same thing. So we feel it essentially it emasculates us. That's what happens. Okay. And, uh, everything goes off the rails when that happens. Okay. And I'm, I would never tell a woman to say, you just need to have sex with your man, uh, because that's not how it works. Because Andrew, I, I know you're like me. You don't want your woman just to lay down and say, get it over with. That's, that's not attractive to nope. us at all. Uh, we know the difference. <laughs> we know the difference uh, between good sex and awful duty sex like that. Okay. Nobody wants that. And uh, all it does is shame a woman and, uh, and it makes a man feel like crap um, and you d further detach. And it's, that's when really bad dumpster fires happen. Okay. So you got to that point. Obviously you started detaching. Um, now let's talk about some of the behaviors that you weren't really. You, I didn't just, I, an independent yeah. mom yeah really i mean i being provided but i mean still in my head i'm like well i'm just kind of by myself for all these hours with gia yeah. or sorry but uh i'm just <laughs> going on and just do i you know i do all the mowing the weed eating which i love that okay but i do all those things and by the time i get home i'm like okay well i'm by myself again and he wasn't like just that hour with my family for dinner that was huge to me, like just one hour, you know, and maybe that's called needy. I don't know, but that was just showing that, Hey, he is committed. And you know, this is what is more important than anything else. We can get through mm -hmm. all the it's other intimacy. Shit. That's, that's called intimacy. But, and we both need that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but obviously he was abandoning his posts, you know, figuring that he's, he's, his responsibility is to provide, um, all of that lifestyle that you yeah. have and, and you just detach. So, so, so he, I'd be grateful for when he would go hunting. I would be like, yes, okay, I'm by myself. Because I was comfortable being by yep. myself. And that's that that's avoidant tendencies right there. That's exactly what that is. He would come home from work and I would just dread it. First of all, he would carry some of his work home. 
And at the same time, I could just feel that. And plus, we're not vibing anyway. So there was just all this tension. And it was just like, oh, he's coming home. Okay. I just. Yeah. Yep. You know, very common. Very, very common for sure. Because that's avoidant tendencies. So um, you basically just, just, I don't want to be around you. It's, it's like physically like painful to be around somebody that you're not really comfortable with anymore. A hundred percent. And I'll, I'll be honest. I've always felt an, uh, an attraction mm-hmm. to him. I mean, for all these years, I feel like there is a bond that can never be broken, yeah. but it was breaking. So now you started going on social media just take pictures of just me myself and I yep. or Gia or you know something like that and yes people would come in think I was single because he wasn't really in the mm-hmm. pictures he wasn't home really anymore and it was just yep. like okay fine so yeah you get for sure attention. and you're you're seeking male val- validation is what you're doing and that's 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 common yeah I mean I don't think I subconsciously yep. knew it at the time but now I'm like oh yeah it's okay, natural sure. because you weren't getting it from your husband so that's yeah. it, you know, and, uh, and that feels good and you get up, you get a little bit of it and then you like, you want a little more and it's like a drug, right? Um, now you can see why people have affairs. That's, that's how this happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you go down a slippery, slippery slope. Then Andrew, you come across some things. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I had started in the group by that point, uh, super early on. And uh, started, you know, I'd read the book and, and read a bunch of posts and things on Facebook. So I you know, kind of had been given the charge of you need to go ahead and start snooping and, and figuring some things out. So, you know, I was there was a couple of times I was able to get a hold of her phone uh, and start going through that. And I, you know, had developed a list of because I never knew how much time I was going to have. So I had a list of check this, check this, go here, look at this. Uh, so I had a list that I'd work through and I'd work through her phone. And I started, you know, finding the DMs, you know, of course I already could see her Facebook posts where she was presenting herself as single uh, and just kind of, kind of carving me out. Um, and so that, you know, that was hurtful. Um, found the DMs, found, you know, kind of a list of, of where she was putting her thoughts together as far as what she needed to do to, to go on her own. Uh, and, and I also knew that she had, uh, one or two job interviews where she was actually trying to, to, to get a job to where she could earn money herself and, and support and provide mm-hmm. yep. for herself. So she's exit planning at that point. So yeah, right. that's going to get your attention pretty doggone quick. So let's talk about the book. A lot of people, if you're listening to this, it's called the dead bedroom fix. That's uh, the book that, uh, uh, well, dad starting over wrote, uh, back in 2017 and he did another edition in 2020. So you, you actually saw the first edition um, and how did you get come across that book? That's like most people, mm-hmm. Facebook saw the picture. Uh, I can't remember that I was Googling, you know, how to fix mm-hmm. a marriage or anything. And I don't know how that algorithms work, but somehow it just popped up and, and there it was in my face. And that picture on the cover of that book, just yeah. like, holy shit. Uh, and so I, I, I think I clicked on it, read a review or two and said, you know, it's 15 bucks. Why not? So I, I bought it, read it in six hours. It, I mean, it, it just grabbed me and I was like, Jesus, I've got some work to do. So, uh, but it was, you know, I loved it cause it was, it, it, it's written so simple and it's just a, it's just a kick in the nuts. This is what you need to do to yeah. unfuck yourself. And so, you know, it's like we said overnight, 
you know, make changes. I said, I'm, I'm freaking all in on this because I don't have any time to waste. I couldn't ease into it. It was overnight, made all the changes, hit, started hitting the gym, started hitting two a days, um, losing the weight, changing how I dressed, stopped emoting, stopped being needy, actually cut off sex. Um, just because I needed so many of our, every, every argument or disagreement we had came back to, you know, her basically making a comment saying, well, you're just really upset because you're not getting laid. I'd say find somebody else. That would be my go-to is just find somebody else yep. because I'm not good that's, enough. That's, that's a little self-esteem talking right there. Okay. So, so I, yeah. so I cut off sex. Until she came to me, and it took mm-hmm. five or six weeks. She finally came to me, and that was great. It was it was amazing. It's totally different. And then I cut it off again because I needed to break that cycle. I needed to break my neediness cycle, and I needed to try and break her thought process that any time I showed any interest, all I was trying to do was get laid. So the second time, it took another three weeks nice. before she came well, to me. Pause there real quick. After, I want to I want to focus on this real quick. I'm getting too far. So. Sure. When you download the DBF, uh, it's Dead Bedroom Fixes, the name of the book. And what it is, the name is a catchy title. Okay, it's a it's a marketing ploy because sex sells, obviously. Um, but essentially, what that book is, it's a self help book for men, and it's it's very logical. It's written only for men. Women, I mean, you can read it, but it's not going to make a whole lot of sense because it's almost like a a, a cooking recipe, uh, with these certain steps, uh, certain things that you're doing wrong that are very unattractive. Um, and you correct those. So I just want to say this real quick, Sabrina, he was not focusing on you. Okay. He was working on himself. Right. And that's attractive. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, I will say it was like, he was trying to fix me and he would do things and I was just like, yeah. this is so weird. And I'm like, I, that's right. At first, <laughs> but he didn't have any idea and what I was didn't doing. Tell her. No, he was really, yeah. So you're really working on it for a few too. months. And so you came into the, uh, the DSO fraternity. Okay. So, um, how long was that after the book that you, that you came into the Facebook group? Oh, well, I mean, I was in the okay. Facebook group from the beginning, uh, from the beginning. And then when it became a pay thing, yeah. I immediately went and paid. Cause I'm like, and by that time things were turning around. I mean, things were already getting better, but I was like, this has changed my life so incredibly much. If I pay for this the rest of my life, it's worth every freaking penny. And, you know, even if I do figure out the way to get to the top and, and stay at the top of it, it's still worth every penny to continue to be a part of it, to continue to be a reminder of what I never want. You don't want to backslide, right? You know, the journey never ends. Absolutely. It's every single day we try to work on something uh, and we're all keeping each other accountable. That's what's the beauty of, of, of the group. And a lot of women think that this group is just a, a group that belittles women or misogynists, you know, all this stuff. It's not, it's not true. We just want to be better dudes. That's what it's for. That's what we are. And uh, the reason why I'm a coach in this organization is that originally I came to the group because I wanted to hold myself accountable too. I made a lot of changes in my life. I had a lot of work-related stress that royally messed with my head. I uh, went into about a depression, and it, it turned my wife off. Okay, We didn't go completely dead. We had a great marriage to begin with, uh, but I felt the passion go away. And 
I came across the book on Facebook as well. And I'm like, this is, uh, this is interesting. And I listened to it and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is good stuff. And I made some changes and turned it around. All right. So now there's gotta be a moment for you, Sabrina, that you said, okay, this guy's different. What's up with this? What, what moment was that? Really? Hmm. Honestly, it was the clothing that really was the kicker. It's like, wasn't his normal uniform. It was, <laughs> you know, Peter Millar yeah. stuff and things of that nature. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell is this? I'm like, okay, you look nice, but it was weird for me. I had a friend um, at work that was, you know, I guess you you would call him Metro. Extreme professor. Uh, so I just went to him and I said, hey, I need some help. So, so he helped me find some, some good shorts and some shoot nice shoes and, you know, helped me with my style. And then I went to Joseph A. Bank uh, and got a lot of nice button up shirts um, and a couple of sports coats and then took those sports coats. Uh, once I got into, you know, a, a place with my fitness where I could show it off, I got, got those sports coats, took them and had them tailored, uh, you know, to where they really showed off the physique that was under there. Um, and then I just started dressing a step above everyone else around me every day. And it was yeah. confusing for her. Yeah. It was hard to target. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. What? I'd say. She said my uniform, it was either cargo shorts and a plaid shirt or starch yeah. jeans. I remember seeing the pictures. Shirt. Yeah. You definitely look like Homer Simpson for sure. Definitely was Homer Simpson. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had some weight on you and you weren't dressing well and you were comfortable. Uh, It happens. It happens in marriage, you know, and it's not attractive. It's just not attractive because it shows that you're being lazy and you're not working on each on yourself to be better and to to drive and and to really seduce your wife. I mean, that's what it comes down to in in Dater, you know. Um, Now, I remember a story he started getting back into horses and I, I think that was a, that was a big turning point for your, your marriage. Was it not? Uh, yeah, he, um, when we were going through our issue, mm-hmm. we were at a big horse show and he had the opportunity, we had the opportunity or I would say he to just two yearlings so I could go and start them and turn them around and sell them. And at that point I was pretty much one foot out the door. Um, and at that point, I'm like, he's an accountant, and he doesn't like to spend money. He's very thrifty. What the hell? Hmm. And I really, you know, it, obviously, that's probably not what you should do. You know, have a little dangle of bait. But at the same time, I knew I, I'm I'm not that person. I'm like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll do it. I, yeah. I had to sit there and think about it really I, deep. I knew she was gone. Mm-hmm. She was already gone. Mentally. Yeah. He just hadn't walked yet. I mean, and so I, in my mind, I didn't use it as incentive, but I was getting ready to spend a bunch of money and I just needed her to understand that. And by this time I'd been working on myself for a couple of months, but not enough to make big, huge changes mm-hmm. for her to know, to, to feel comfortable that they were going to stick we were still- and to trust me again. She was still fighting me pretty hard and I was just kind of mm-hmm. laying back, letting the changes happen. Um, not being needy, just trying to prove it. But I, I got this opportunity. I want you to do this, but I'm not going to spend this money 
if you're walking out the door next month. So you need to decide what you're doing. You're either going to stick with me and see it through the see me through these changes that I'm making in my life, yeah. or you're gone. You make call because I don't have to buy these horses, and I sure didn't want to do it then. I wanted us to be in a way better spot, but this was just an amazing opportunity yeah. that. Let's what focus on that. Right quick because that's this. This is important. There's a lot of good things that happen with that. There's one bad thing where you're you're trans, transactional, trying to keep your wife around. Okay, that's that's the bad thing. <laughs> but I know why you did that. Okay, and I know what was a good thing in Sabrina's mind about that that whole thing. Sabrina, when he did that, you realized that he had your back again. Okay, and he was he was back in line with what you love. And he was listening to you at that point. Mm -hmm. And he was willing to take that extra effort uh, to, to, to join you. So he gave, he gave, and then you gave back. Okay. I will say this about our group. Not all women are like that. Okay. A lot of them, they're going to have one and a half step out the door and something like that is not going to affect them at all. And they basically just, they just shut the door behind them. Okay. Most women do not, they're not as receptive as you were. And frankly, you all were pretty close to being done. Okay. And what he did there, like I said, if I were coaching him at that point, I probably wouldn't have recommended him to actually make the purchase. But what he did is he used it to assert himself to say, Hey babe, I care for you. I really care for you. I want to I want to work on this and I'm serious. If you don't want to work on it, I'm not going to waste my time. And that is what we call the healthy talk in our group. Okay, the the unhealthy talk is, you know, why don't you find me attractive? We need to have sex more. Uh that's that's the that's the that's the awful shit. Okay, that's 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 needy and it's not attractive. What Andrew did was very attractive. Okay, he he was speaking your love languages like he said. He was, he had your back and he got your attention and you responded. Congratulations. Welcome to your new life. Okay. And ever since then, now a lot of guys will do that too. And they'll say that they're women's of uh, responding to them again. And then they just say, ah, I'm good. And then they go right back to the old comfortable shit, Homer Simpson. Okay. Uh, but he didn't do that, did he? Nope. He just, just put that super sexy. Yeah. And let's talk about the good stuff now. Okay, we got past the bad stuff. So let's see. Obviously, you got her attention at that point. She was more receptive. And did you start dating her at that point? Did you start doing date nights and, and doing the fun stuff? Okay. Yeah. I don't think we're there yet. Because I'm not a big go out, get dressed up girl. Um, so it it takes me a while to, okay, let, we're going to go out to dinner. We're going to go do this and that. Um, I, I think he was just, I don't know how. I was going to say, our date nights didn't start until the fall okay. of 20. So what did you do in the meantime then, between that moment and, and, and the date night stuff? It was around me. Just around and spent time together. Spent time in the barn, and it was really weird. Like, I would be doing things, and he was there, and constantly, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? It, it, caused, op- it, caused, it caused problems in the, in, in in the, the opposite direction, because she's like, yep. stop smothering me. You know? 
because I've been so used to being by myself for all this time. And so. So I was constantly having to kind of gauge back and forth, test the waters back off, test the waters back off. Don't be needy and then go do my own shit, you know, but make sure in on her at the right points in time to try and, <laughs> try and meet that need Bingo. she has and then back off again. She's complicated with the amount, amount of time that you spend I with her versus on so, when you have to pull away. Yeah, I have to see that. So difficult. he'll be in the, our barn and shop or together so do, 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 to the shop and then do, 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 back to the barn. So that's basically what we did a lot. Like he would leave and I would go tr- find him and and, and so that's, right. that's how we redated, I guess. It was kind of <laughs> strengthening and building. That's right. Building, getting you more comfortable together. It's first. interesting that uh, um, there's uh, there's yeah. a term for that in the the seduction realm uh, and uh, pickup realm. As a matter of fact, they call it a push pull. Is what they call that. Okay, they, they, you push her a little mm-hmm. bit, and if she pushes, if she pushes away, then you then you pull back and you let her approach you. Um, that is a very common dynamic that you have to have in a marriage to keep it hot. Otherwise you're going to be too needy or you're going to be too avoidant. So you, you have to play both those games and, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Actually, that's, that's what, that's what I find fun about marriage. Um, because, uh, you can, as a, as a former player myself, you can, you can get the hunt, right? I can, I can hunt my wife, you know, like I did before with, with other ladies, but, uh, but it's, it's more of a game, uh, in our marriage that way. And, uh, and it keeps it hot. Um, very hot. So good stuff. All right. So let's see. So things are going great. Then you said uh, fall of 21, you start doing the date nights, uh, do, doing the weekends away, you getting away together. Yeah. Yes. Getting, getting her away from the ranch, away from the horses, away from Gotta everything that. that's here and away from the kid. Because she doesn't only have the kid anxiety, she has the ranch and the, and the horses and, and everything that goes along we with call this it, place. So if I don't grow away, she mode. never stops thinking. Got to get her out of mom mode. And the only way to do that right. is to get her away from the kids and away from the kids. Like, away. Yeah. It's huge. It is a huge deal in marriage. Uh, what I always say in my coaching calls, no marriage, no family. No marriage, no family. You have to prioritize your marriage over your kids. We have a huge problem right now in the world. Honestly, the United States is terrible about this. Is it's the kid-centric marriages? You know, it's always about the kids' activities and uh, your your strangers in the night passing back and forth. Because uh, uh, I know, because that that's that's the stage I'm in with my my marriage. But it doesn't affect us because I still date my wife. I still seduce her, but I got my own shit. You know, I've got my own mission. I've got my own things that I do that I that I love. And I don't need her to be happy. She doesn't need me to be happy. But when we're together, we're better. It's beautiful. That's marriage to me. You know, we make each other better. You know, and that's, marriage isn't dead. It isn't dead. I just, I wish people, this is why I'm doing this interview with y'all. Because it's possible. Guess what? It's work. This is not a fucking romantic movie here. Okay. It's not a sitcom. This is not a rom-com. This is real life. This is real stuff happens. People die. Stuff happens in your life. People get hurt. You know, all of these things. Like, you have to deal with stuff and you have to, you can't avoid conflict. If you avoid conflict, you don't grow together. And y'all have grown so much. And you know what's interesting about your future? Let me just, I'm going to look into my crystal ball real quick here. Okay. In the future. (laughs) 
if you have a rough spot, you can look back at the bad times, those really bad times that you had, and you can say to each other, we got through this. We got through that. We can get through anything. It's all good. Nothing, nothing's going to phase yep. us at this point. We're rock solid, right? That's what it takes. It takes, it's peaks and valleys. It's not always going to be, you're not always going to be on the peaks. You're going to have some valleys and, uh, and how long you spend in those valleys is whether you stay married or not. Period. So anyway, so let's see here. So if you want to talk about it right now, um, so what do you do now currently? So to, to keep things hot, I mean, you don't have to get into details, but, uh, what are you doing at this point? Well, um, kind of like we've been through our, our life, we, we just we, we move from one thing to the next, and we always have so many different things going on. Um, obviously, I've gotten into to great physical shape with because of the book, uh, and now that's just become a part of my life. I was on heart meds you know, for four years before that picture was taken that I have out there (laughs) shows me as Homer. Um, and once I got in shape, they took me off, which once you go on heart meds, you don't come off, but they took me off Mm -hmm. just because I fixed it all. Um, so that was a great part of my life. So I'll never go back there, but now I'm just pushing and pushing and pushing to, to look better and get bigger. And, you know, for a 45 year old dude, that, that can be a challenge, but, but I love it. So Sabrina jumped on that fitness train. Um, she has a coach now. She's getting her ready for the figure or physique or and or the physique class, I guess, both now. And so, you know, kind of what what our hot thing is now is is he'll have these weekend uh, boot camp classes like 7 a.m. Saturdays, 8 a.m. Sundays. So and they're over on the other side, north of Dallas. So of course, we're west of Fort Worth. So we'll go, I'll go get a really nice hotel room over there, or, you know, a decent hotel room in a little area that's got some restaurants, because we just like to get out and walk and then go to bed early. Um, so we'll go over there, check into that hotel, go out and walk around, maybe sit down and have some kind of a nice dinner that fits with our diet programs and <laughs> things like that. Um, spend the time in the hotel room doing what we do, um, enjoying ourselves, and, and then, you know, get up the next morning and, and go hit that gym and get a hard workout in. And I mean, that just, that, that fulfills our life right now. Um, or, you know, if we got a horse show, we'll load up, go to the horse show. And, 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 you know, that's different now because I'm involved again and supportive and it's, you know, so we can turn that into a quasi dating uh, trip as well with a horse show thrown in. Um, and so things, things go pretty well with that. Now she likes to ride at three o'clock in the morning when is nobody that a, else is that is a there. Lone so thing that again. <laughs> throws a can. Yeah. yeah. That's in the afternoon. I mean. That's great. <laughs> so, but you know, so we, so we have super odd hours when we, when we do that stuff, but we still fit in the time to, to enjoy time together and, and be together. And, and during the week we make, we're trying to make like Thursdays. Yeah. So I, I historically work late and then, I have the gym there at the office that's open until eight. So, so what I do is I go to the gym from six to seven thirty ish, and then I'm not home till eight thirty nine or eight thirty to nine somewhere in there. And that's when I get. And but you know by about eight thirty, she's she's been running the kid around all day. She's getting home from taking the kid to, to <laughs> cheer cheer nastics that I call it. Um, 
And then, you know, by that time, she's crawling into bed. So I'm coming home to a, to a wife that's that's kind of in her zombie mode and going to sleep. I'm at, up at four or yeah. five. So. Yeah, she's up at five every day getting things. Um, so, you know, what I'm doing now is is I'm only, only going to hit the gym downtown four days a week. And so one, at least one night a week, I'm going to come home at a decent time and actually be able to spend a couple hours. Thursday's my day off. Because <laughs> now she likes to open up and talk. And it's never been like that before. So I'd love to get home and she'll just go on and on and on and on, just talk mm. and tell me about her day or week. And, and I love it. And she'll keep apologizing for it. But, you know, it's, it's, it, I've never had that experience with her in 22 years. So, you know, now, now she, she trusts me and she's open and I'm not, she's not, she's not worried that I'm trying to solve her problems or tell her how she messed something up or, you know, criticize her or judge her. I just sit and listen and, and we have good conversation and, you know, that's, that's how we spend our quality time together now. And it's still here at the place on the weekends doing things together. You know, we're still, she's got, we got two show horses and each one of us are showing one of them. So we're doing that. You know, I'm showing again, she's showing, um, so we spend that time together, you know, if I got something to work on in the shop or if we need, but we just do everything lives together. Too. So that's interesting about that too, because that's important in the marriage as well. So Sabrina, you saw him with his journey and you were inspired by that and you started your own plan. Now, Andrew, did you push that or did she, did she take that on herself? Bingo. I agree. The book said never push it. Ever, yep. ever did. I followed the book to the T. I, I never anything. I was always upper body, you know, dominant. dominant. Yeah. I was skinny, but I always wanted legs. And so I would always run and I was running five miles a day. I didn't realize till now, he, he would always say the legs you want, you got to go weight train. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to no. push heavy weight if you want those legs. That's so, all I ever said. That's all I ever said. So I finally got in and started working on it and trusted yeah. the process. And here I am <laughs> over just the way I do. I just don't do things half full ass yeah. and go, what the hell was I thinking? I really didn't have time anyway, but here I am just going to try something yeah. different. And there's, there, you're never too, you're never too old yeah. for the stuff. So yeah. that's, that's it. Okay. So when I, I've been coaching about two years in this in this organization, and that is a trend that I've noticed with my really good success stories. Okay, the dude totally does a 180. He takes the the pursuer distancer relationship. He's the pursuer. He's the needy guy. He's the codependent guy. He all of a sudden, boom, cuts that off. He works on himself, makes himself better, makes himself more attractive. But he's not focusing on her. He's focusing on himself, making himself better. And, and wife is like, well, what's going on here? And then she starts to get inspired and it takes some time for women to do that. It, yep. Yeah, my wife, it took her, it took her three months when I, when I really started getting in shape, uh, because I was a Homer Simpson too. I freely admit that I, I had the dad bod rocking buddy. Uh, and so I got better. She's like, okay, uh, maybe I need to get my ass in gear here. And so she started getting her better. And so we have our separate journeys and we have our separate lives. We have our separate things. But then when we come together, it is magic time. It is just, it is beautiful. And that's the trend that I see with my people that have turned it around. It's when the guy gets better and the woman, not misogynist here, when she follows him, okay, and says, hey, I want to be a part of that too. 
that and it's just it's beautiful mm-hmm. the, the electricity that happens when that when when that environment is set amazing and, and i've i've we've talked in the past and i've told you I can she, tell. she's not one to blow sunshine up anybody's ass ever including and uh but I will never forget this. And I was never needy about it, trying to mm-hmm. say, what do you think of my physique? You know, I'm changing. What do you think? Are you, you never? I just left it alone, did my own thing. But I will never forget when it happened, the realization. We were walking into Walmart, and she had a, a moment of vulnerability. And she said something about, <laughs> I just don't want yeah. you to be hotter than me. <laughs> and I remember looking up going, there it is. Put my head back down, kept my mouth shut, and we just kept on going. And again, it's don't make a big deal out of that shit. Take it because you deserve it and go on. Don't say shit because all you're going to do is ruin it. But that was the realization that that she finally was seeing my changes. And I had to do my own research. There's a, a few podcasts out there that I started kind of following and understanding the masculine and feminine roles and things like that. I have a, we have a very good horse trainer friend, and he sat me down one day before all of this and talked to me about the provider roles and this role, and this is what he's supposed to do. And this is, you know, he's supposed to be the leader. Yeah, that's like, more the masculine versus feminine. That's what I mean. But what it was I Oh, he was explaining the masculine versus feminine. And so that got my wheels turning. And then he started changing in a whole mm-hmm. bunch of just, it just yeah, all it, changed. And so, it's called polarity. I've done That's exactly what that is. And so polarity yeah. is what creates attraction. So, so folks listening to this recording, if you, if you're not polarized, if you don't have the masculine, you don't have the feminine, you don't have the yin and yang, you will not have attraction. And desire suffers, and you will drift apart. That is the way it is. I didn't make the rules. It is the way it is. Okay, if your woman is doing all of the masculine roles, and you're letting her do that, she is not going to respect you. Period. And that's we were. And I we we had a big talk about that today. Mm -hmm. Um, over how. You know, how I had basically let her take over all the masculine yeah. things and take it all back. And it could be like, I don't understand why I am the way I am now and comfortable with you and not, you know, trying to take over everything anymore, but it's so relieving. And so I laid it out and I explained it to her. So I said, because I gave all that up and you took it over because nobody else could. And then once I, part of my process of, of taking all that back and becoming the leader and the man in your rock again, allowed you to let all that go, let all that weight off your shoulders to where now you trust me. I said, now you, now you are back in your feminine. A big thing happened um, a month ago and I even told him this is going to be news to him. Um, It's always good. (laughs) I, I went to visit him one night over, he was doing a work thing. I went to, um, to Dallas, visit with him that night, that next morning, um, I wrecked my truck. Um, I crossed over, a person hit me. It was a big thing. And all I did was text him, say, hey, got in a wreck. He didn't really know. And then I dropped a pin. I said, here I am. He came and I'm almost wanting to go back and revert into my, oh, I got to put my shield up because I'm going to get in trouble and all this. He never once 
you know, criticized me or anything. He was there, my rock, and supported me. And it's just dealing with this process. And not one time has he said, well, did you look better or anything like that, you know? And so that's actually been the hugest thing and a big, big change here in a month, too, for me. Because I'm waiting for that criticism, and it's never happened. She's always yeah. looking for the old Andrew to come back. And we with the whole TV thing two weeks ago. And the whole, you know, her being sick and me being irritable. And she, her thinking it was because she was sick for a week and we didn't have sex. And I said, it has nothing to do with that. And I had to shut that down immediately and, and correct that thought process. But with her, it's been, it was 18 years of putting up with my bullshit Mm-hmm. And a lot of it came from my family too. I mean, there there's that baggage, and he oh, we all. there's a lot of scars yeah. that she carries. Yeah. So so it's still all the time trying to make sure that she believes in these changes, and you know, until she believes in it, that it's you know, I Never I've still ends. got more work sure. to do. Oh, and uh, yeah, that's it's beautiful. Right. <laughs> Y'all got it going on. This this is it's amazing, and uh, that's what I want. That's why I wanted to talk to y'all. Because you're, you're living it, and you continue to live it, and you, you're going to have tragedy. You wrecked your truck, um, and you accepted him because you respect him, and that's why you were feminine with him. That's and I hate to use the word, but submitted, and uh, and you and you took that role and ran with it, Andrew. And sparks fly, sparks fly when when that happens. That's called it is polarity. It's what it's all about. Um, and embracing those roles, it's just, it's, it's magic. It really is. And it's beautiful. I wish everybody had that, that experience and we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. You know, not everybody's cut out to do this marriage thing, you know, yeah. and, uh, but, but y'all have got it going on. And uh, I guess any, any tips for anybody that's listening? Um, I just want to do uh, like a, We've already done all the masculine stuff. I want to hear from Sabrina. Like, what tip do you have for for women out there that are involved in this kind of thing? I would say, honestly, podcast. I mean, to listen and to understand it. Um, when he started telling me about these roles, I thought he was talking about, I, I'm a farm girl, physical work. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. but those are the things I like. But no, he was meaning deeper things. And... Mm-hmm just to really listen and absorb absor- and accept it, accept mm-hmm. it. That's the hard one for me to accept it. Uh, I think probably for a lot of women and to see the red flags and, and fix, not fix, but fix your own red flags too. And that, and I have a tendency to just, if he'll say something to react so quickly and I don't anymore, which is really weird. And we had that conversation here pretty much last couple of days. Yeah. I mean, that's been the, the most interesting part for me is to watch her personal growth because it took a long time. She was just kind of hanging out, waiting for me to fix myself and waiting to believe it and making sure I wasn't going to revert. And it's only been like, say the last six months that she's really started to open up and talk about the issues that she knows she has. And then doing her own research to try and figure out, number one, why? Mm -hmm. And she's a, she's a digger. She wants to understand everything. So she started digging in, trying to figure out why, you know, she has the thought process that she, that she has, and then trying to understand the differences in the roles and how to be comfortable with that. And so 
you know, that's been the last six months that she's really started to, to work on herself mentally. And I did that for uh, several months before I even engaged with him about my understanding and readings and everything, because I, I didn't want to put my vulnerable, you know, I was just like, yeah. I don't know. Word I was going to come with the whole fix it thing. Again. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's it. That's that's like the, that. the feminine and masculine roles. So, so if masculine affection is given, feminine affection is received and given back. That's how it works. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's been around for a while. <laughs> you know, uh, it uh, just the last fifty, sixty years. This this whole concept of um, I don't need no man. You have to be independent. Have to be strong. All of this stuff. It's 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 destructive. It is destructive and and. It goes both ways too, because men are giving up that role. Men aren't men anymore, and and that's yeah. it creates this no. because then a woman is forced to take the masculine role, and it just it just becomes a dumpster fire. That's just that's that's what I see over and over and over of guys coming in this group. It just it just happens. I want to say one thing, and it was something I've discovered recently, you know, through being introspective and thought about. Mm-hmm. I was buried in the whole nice guy thing. I mean, super nice guy. So a- along with that comes, you know, the fact that half the time what I was telling my wife was, was just lies, right? Part, a big part of my process was realizing, because I always thought, you know, anything she tells or you know, I can't tell whatever comes out of her mouth, I can't tell if it's the truth or a lie or not because, you know, I applied myself to her. And in fact, you know, she doesn't lie. When, when, when she says something, she means it. I mean, it's the truth. It's just there. She doesn't have any ulterior motives like I did as the nice guy to, to tell a lie or to, to, to bend the truth. And so part of my big process was shut up and just stop listen to what she says and believe it for what it is. And that was a huge thing for me to, to get to, to where I just realized that she's not lying. Like I used to, she's just honest and, you know, listen to what she says and believe it for what it is. Even if you're sitting there beating yourself up going, there's no way she's telling me the truth. She, she is, she's got no reason to lie about these things, you know, about the way she feels. And she's, cause I know her. she's not going to say something. Nothing's going to come out of her mouth. If it's, if, you know, as far as how she cares and feels about you, if it's not the truth, she's just not going to say it. So I had to convince myself to actually believe in, in what she was telling me mm-hmm. and, and, t- and take it. And that's really, really difficult for me. And and I was pause right there because that is so was. important right there. That's, that's the, that's the mojo, buddy. So most of the guys that come into our group, they're very passive. Code, we call it, nice guy is code for codependent. Okay, so somebody that's uh, that's very preoccupied with their partner um, and doesn't really is is not assertive. Okay, so there's a huge difference between being assertive and asshole. Big difference between those two things. And what's even worse is when you're passive, right. and that's where you were. Okay, you were passive. She was she was avoidant. And that's when bad things happen. So you trained yourself, you reparented yourself. I love that word, reparenting. You reparented yourself to be assertive. And that's that's what coaching does. That's what I do. That's that's what I focus on. I, I teach guys how to be assertive and not be a jerk. Okay, there's there's is a huge difference. So yeah. that's what you did. And 
That was a yeah, because I guarantee you, at first you swung the pendulum way too far, and you went way asshole. And yeah, most guys do that. That's what they do. They just don't understand. They don't know what assertive is. Okay, Um, assertive is being open to criticism and and accepting your responsibility of the of your screw ups and your problems. All right, Um, assholes avoid it and blame. Okay, Um, passive guys they don't say anything and they manipulate. That's that's so assertive is the key. It's finding that middle ground and it's hard to do. It's not easy. So so good stuff. I tell you what, uh, any closing thoughts? Yeah. I think that probably was my closing thought was, was listen to, listen to your wife and believe them. They're not going to lie. Like we do out based on having ulterior motives of trying to get laid. Um, and then my other thought process, and, and this is a, a result of reading through all the posts and things, read the book and just do the things. It's black and white for us, for all men. It's black and white. Stop overthinking it. Read the book and just do the things that it says to do and stay the course. And when things get better, don't back off. So, I mean, I think that was the biggest difference for me is, is, is I never backed off. I changed everything overnight and I hit it with all barrels that I could and just attacked it. Because I had to yeah. fix it. She was Beautiful. out the door. So, yeah. but it, it's black and white. It's really simple. Just do the thing. Look. I agree. And, and uh, the you, one thing, you know, huge progress. Sex. The sex. Okay. When you're thirsty in the desert, you've got, you've had no drink of water for three months or excuse me, three days. You would not survive very long with three months without drinking water. Um, but you haven't had drink water in three days. <laughs> you're, you're, com- you're completely focused on that one thing because you're not getting it. Then all of a sudden you start realizing that the problem is you. The problem is in yourself and you start working on yourself and then all of a sudden you get a sip of water from your wife where she's giving you some affection that you were starving for and it just keeps getting better and better and better. And Sabrina, I'm telling you, when a man like Andrew has had a couple drinks of water, he's not thirsty anymore. Okay, he's not thirsty anymore and that's not needy anymore. And he realizes it's it's all him. And what's beautiful about where Andrew is now as a man, as, as a guy that's been in our group for two, three years, continued to work on himself, if he loses his way just a little bit, he can he can correct himself very quickly where he couldn't before. And he can do that on his own. I mean, he's not that active in the group anymore. He, he'll pop in every now and then, but uh, he's got it going on. He, he knows what he's doing. And you got a good man. And I'm telling you, Andrew, you got a good woman too. Y'all are beautiful. Great couple. It's beautiful. So, absolutely. So one thing I want to mention here with the, the, the DSO fraternity, we do have a, a promotion going on right now. It's only going to last a couple weeks. Uh, we just launched a brand new website. And you can join uh, up until May 17th. There's a discount code that you can get into it pretty, pretty cheap just to kind of ch- check it out, see what we're like. Um, there's a thousand men in there. It, it is super active. Uh, you can get on the, the coaching tabs to get in contact with me. I specialize in balancing between the lover and provider roles, which is super important in a marriage. I have a tendency to lean more on the lover role because you can never beat emotion. 
Um, but that's, that's what I do. Okay. So if you're interested, check it out and, uh, we're waiting. Okay. So I appreciate y'all doing this. I know you're opening up a lot and I'm telling you, thank you. Thank you. Especially to you. This is, this is, this is an awkward thing. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Go ahead. And I just want to, I do want to say one final thing. For the men, don't expect your wives to like change overnight because it probably takes you guys quicker. Yep, I agree. And I'll be honest. I mean, just be patient. I'd be more patient than ever, but. Well, with the walls and and years of of, of resentment (laughs) that I had built up. Yes. It was. The, the, the one yeah. month for every year of marriage. Resentment just builds up. It just does. And, uh, and you don't trust him at the beginning. And, uh, and then he proves himself. And then you trust him even more and more and more. And he just keeps getting better. And uh, the sky's the limit. Uh, I can't wait to, to hear what's going to happen for the next uh, couple of years with y'all. Because uh, it's beautiful. Keep it up. You're doing some good here. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye. Thank you. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, Access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge. Discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team. Discounts on our video courses. And access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.